test run. (laughs) Morgan, so great to have you here. Um, Delighted to have this conversation about real impact, about the principles of non-extractive finance, about your leadership in this ecosystem that you've been involved in for so long. And as I accompany and welcome and support the the work of many um, aspiring, newer um, impact investors seeking to be more transformative in their work, um, just delighted to have this conversation with you and thought we might just start with a little bit of your own background and um, what brought you to where you are at Candy today, the kinds of clients you work with, and maybe just characterizing a little bit about um, some of those engagements and investments that and projects that take most of your time these days. Sure. So I've been part of the impact investment community for 20 years um, at this point. It's actually my 20th year this year. Um, and what's it, most of that has been uh, kind of organizing the impact investor community to kind of try to push our definitions of impact. And in general, I came from being an activist who saw money as such a critical kind of vector for social change that was often really unaddressed, that we um, come into the world often with a lot of trauma about money, whether we had it or we didn't, um, and that being willing to engage with it as activists it just creates so much transformative potential. Um, so the last decade has been with Candide Group, where we've um, put about 170 million to work in um, over 100 companies and funds, um, and the majority of those led by women and people of color. Um, so very strong social justice and diversity focus, um, while addressing economic development and climate justice, both domestically and internationally. Um, my start in this work um, was, you know, when I got to college as a young activist. Uh, decided that I was going to start acting like a billionaire and treating Swarthmore's billion-dollar endowment as essentially mine, Um, and uh, started to look at filing shareholder resolutions. And the first thing that I did was got on a train from Philly to New York to the Interface Center for Corporate Responsibility. Um, And that as a young person, um, I was really so embraced by the religious investor community um, who really took the effort seriously, who were excited about supporting young people who wanted to move into the space um, and filed my first shareholder resolution at Lockheed Martin with the support of Diane Bratcher, who led the equality project from the Interface Center uh, for Corporate Responsibility. So um, worked with a number of uh, religious actors in the space, a number of nuns, Sister Pam Bogansky, who is also an important mentor to me. Um, so that was really kind of the, the introduction uh, for me. And then that just expanded over time and getting to learn other asset classes and opportunities and ultimately becoming um, the co-founder of a registered investment advisory of of Candy Group. Part of that journey um, led you to kind of write this book, Real Impact. Um, Mm -hmm. Curious if you might just kind of go into some of the key principles or stories. There's so many nuggets there that we draw on and develop in some of our workshops at the Francesco Collaborative. Um, But it really kind of, to me, is an architecture of non-extractive finance could look like. Do you want to just share a little bit about some of those principles? Sure, absolutely. And um, the, the founding... Impetus, I would say, for me trying to define some principles and and put the book together um, was my increasing fear that uh, the question of how do you define impact? So impact, according to Merriam-Webster, right, is to impinge upon especially forcefully 
that doesn't sound good, right? Necessarily. Um, and it's up to us as imperfect human beings to really figure out if that impact is going to be good or bad. And that I increasingly was feeling like impact was essentially whatever wealthy people think it is. Um, and with no accountability to the communities that were supposed to be impacted or very limited accountability. Um, and there is an activist adage that I've kind of grown up with, which is this idea of nothing about us without us. And that really underpins what emerged as the first transform finance principle of engaging communities in design, governance and ownership. Um, so it's not, not enough to just have consultative processes, but to really look at who has the power to make the rules, um, which is about ownership ultimately, and also impacts who's going to make a financial return. Um, and then that gets into principle too, the idea that you should add more value than you extract. Um, I tried to make the principles all positive, you know, so you could also call that non-extractive finance, but I really try to focus more on like what's the future we're trying to build versus the concept we're rejecting. Um, but one could say that concept we're rejecting is extractive finance, um, which is the idea that um, you essentially invest in communities and make your return by taking money out of them. Um, and that often what I found was happening in impact investment was, you know, you could make it slightly less terrible uh, to be poor or maybe 30 years instead of 20 uh, that we'd all die from climate change, right? But that you weren't actually addressing the underlying problem and making sure numerically to be putting more money back into communities than what we're taking out. And, and I want to be clear that that doesn't mean that you can't make an investment return, right? And I think that there's lots of really legitimate reasons uh, to make returns that you have people who I need to retire based on these resources. You have institutions that uh, are able to do amazing philanthropic work based on their investment returns. Um, so I, I think the idea is saying, let's make sure that communities are benefiting proportionally in that work, as opposed to saying that we're just going to make things slightly better off for the poor while keeping most of the gains for ourselves. Uh, so that's kind of the second principle. Um, and then the third is really looking at how we balance risk and return, that often uh, we're really kind of putting all the risk on communities that receive these interventions and investors are always very wary uh, for risk, right? I'm a, I'm a registered investment advisor, you know, like risk is very uh, uh, front and center of my mind, but I'm trying to think about risk for everybody. Um, and that can even include the risk of not taking the chance on a project and the opportunity to make change within a community. Um, so really re-envisioning how we think about risk and how markets have typically qualified it and risk to whom um, becomes another really important principle that we try to apply to our investments. This is so helpful, Morgan. Um, one thing that um, as investors have been getting engaged this principles, they realize they apply a lot to their alternatives or their private kind of investment you mentioned earlier asset classes. Are you seeing ways that you're translating these principles? Are you seeing examples in other asset classes where we can still do this kind of work that you're describing here? Absolutely. And um, in general, with Candide Group, we work with ultra high net worth individuals and foundations. So we're often looking um, at people or institutions with anywhere from 100 million to billions in assets. Um, and often in the case of both individuals and foundations, applying 100% for impact approach across asset classes. Um, so that's to, to kind of break that down a little bit. It means kind of being able to pursue 
um, kind of classic portfolio objectives, um, but doing that where each underlying investment, you're able to really point at the social and environmental impact that's happening. That is always going to be along a spectrum and different types of, of uh, advocacy. So if it's investing in public companies, typically that's with kind of a change mindset in, in terms of how to improve corporate behavior while also screening out the worst actors. Um, and then where we tend to focus our work as Candy Group is on the private asset classes, both debt and equity, where we tend to really see the most direct impact. Um, and I think that's where you know, you're able to see opportunities that can have a pretty um, dare I say, traditional return profile um, or beating Cambridge uh, benchmarks historically or sitting in the uh, top quartile of returns, but paying really strong attention to quality job provision, are prioritizing people of color entrepreneurs um, that are really looking at innovative climate models um, that involve community ownership. So we're seeing that um, there's a real market, there's real absorptive capacity. Um, so it's funny um, you know, to be able to use some of those very traditional finance expressions like absorptive capacity, but to be meaning it in the context of deeply social change driven organizations um, that are showing that you can really do this work at scale. Um, so that's been very exciting to us and the ability to finance things as diverse from um, solar energy at utility scale from the Navajo Nation out to the world to worker co-ops um, in the Midwest and in New York um, to uh, kind of beyond fair trade practices in cacao and coffee globally. Uh, there's just so many different opportunities out there to be able to pursue financial return and social impact. I'm so glad you kind of drew the awareness to how many opportunities are out there. And I think that's part of the challenge that I hear from many of the investors I'm accompanying is just the challenge to find those. And I know at Tonic, there's a deal sharing committee. At the Catholic Impact Investing Collaborative, there's deal sharing committees. Um, what are some of the, the middle infrastructure that you see that you've been building or that you want to point to in the landscape you think is important that's beginning to help people have that awareness of how much there is if they are only committed to allocating more of their assets to this kinds of deeply transformative, impactful work? Yeah, I mean, I think what's really great is the, you know, slow but steady proliferation of managers out there who can do this work. Because I think for a lot of asset owners, you know, you might really want to sleep better at night knowing that your money is sustainably managed, but you don't want to spend all your time doing diligence you know, or having to um, really have it take over your life. Um, so that's where, the more and more intermediaries that we're seeing that are focused on impact that are able to execute this type of work, I think makes a big difference in terms of that on-ramp being less complicated, um, but still having the ability to kind of dive in and out in um, looking at projects that are interesting or mission aligned with other efforts that an institution might be doing. Um, so I think that's where I see lots of, of interesting opportunities uh, for people. Um, I still think, you know, it's interesting, we focus, as I mentioned before, on the private asset classes where we tend to see the most direct impact. And, you know, I, I would love to see more managers focusing in that space. Um, I think it is traditionally very difficult for asset owners to get access to direct deals, to diligence them, um, to kind of go through that whole process and even to create business models around that. Um, and we just started doing it because we thought it was important <laughs> you know, that we've often made decisions as a business to just do whatever we thought was most impactful um, as opposed to, you know, what was necessarily the easiest business to build. Um, so I want to applaud the somewhat irrational actors um, who are kind of building 
impact infrastructure just because we care about it um, is, is what, what it comes down to in a very kind of Pollyanna-esque way. Um, but it is exciting to see that, for instance, like um, even something like the CDFI sector, that whatever state of the country that you're in, you can find something um, that's going to fit your interests, um, that there is just so much more product out there available. Um, so whether working through intermediaries or just investing um, as an institution, there's so many great places to go. Yeah, that's so vital. I also love how you em emphasize a little bit in your book, the importance of your own social formation, your work in Brazil, going to kind of race conferences. Um, Pope Francis has the synod on synodality about going to the margins, the periphery and encountering um, folks there and listening. Um, just, you know, could you talk a little about how we as finance investment professionals need to hold that finance formation alongside our faith or spiritual formation and the social formation that's so vital? Yeah, so I, um, I personally think a lot about mind, body, spirit, um, like, you know, living in California, I think people sometimes use that phrase kind of flippantly, you know, talking about balance in life. Um, but I really try to believe it um, in terms of what it takes to make really good decisions and to be present um, is to have engagement in all three of those sides. And that also all three of those spaces enable you to connect with people really differently. Um, so I'm, I'm a dancer and musician, and that's a, a huge part of my family, um, a huge part of how I relate to people. Um, I remember once I was diligencing a renewable energy project in Uganda, and part of that was, I'm so sorry, Rwanda, not Uganda, uh, way too much traveling. Um, and <laughs> part of that was getting to know how people were using energy in their homes and what were relative pricing and, you know, the type of intimate questions that if someone just came up to you and said, hey, I'd like to look through your utility bill with you, I might, you know, not necessarily respond so kindly. Um, but what I had done is I reached out uh, just over the internet to street dancers in Rwanda, sent them some videos of my work and said, hey, I'd love to hang out. Um, and they took me to their practice sessions, um, which were in these pretty low-income communities in um, Kigali, um, and went to some concerts together and went into their homes, um, and then was able to really build that base of trust through dance that then later led to me explaining what my professional life was and why I was in Rwanda, and a whole slew of questions about how they used their cell phones, where they were getting electricity, how they felt about it, all, all these different elements that wound up being really important to diligence. Now, I wouldn't say that I befriended um, those young people for that reason, right? Um, I did it legitimately out of my love of dance and connection. Um, and I think that for different people, it's gonna be different elements that help you connect with folks. Um, but I think the more that we're able to, to connect with people through whatever is authentic to us, um, and that religion is another great equalizer in that way, right? Um, it's it's funny. I'm um, I'm culturally Jewish, um, and we are obviously a very small percentage of the global population. I, I kind of uh, am a little jealous of it. Must be fun for Christians that you can kind of walk into most countries and um, find community pretty quickly, right? So that's a pretty built-in social structure, um, and then the ability to bridge mind, body, and spirit through something like investment um, is, is pretty amazing. Um, so, so I can see that investors that come from a religious perspective, like kind of have a natural leg up um, from that perspective and their ability to connect deeply with communities on something that's important to them. 
I love that, Morgan. It's a great challenge that I, I will receive, and I've been received in, in many parts of Latin America in Catholic churches, and that's precisely, I think, what I think for me motivates um, this radical thing that Pope Francis is trying to do is push bishops to listen to people and use some of the hierarchy to kind of, we need to learn from what's happening to be able to change the church. Um, but this is hard work. And I think you just talked about how the hard work of investment diligence can be paired with joy and the authenticity of your love of dance. And I think, um, I wonder if, if investors that are starting this journey or trying to advance this journey further in their offices, whether it's um, larger investment shops or whether it's, you know, smaller um, groups, um, you know, what, what are what are some of your encouragements to them to kind of hold those two pieces together, the, the love and the joy and the parts that sustain them through the difficult parts, but then also to persevere and taking on, um, you know, more private allocation than they might in their traditional portfolio allocation and why that might be really important for them. Yeah, so I, I think the fun part, as you're naming, is really important, and particularly for people who may not come from financial backgrounds but care deeply about this. And I, um, going back to uh, Sister Pam Vagansky so many years ago, who used to attend our student conferences, um, and she just showed up really humbly saying, I just really want to learn more about this, uh, this whole social investment movement. And she was the treasurer. Um, of I'm going to get the uh, the nomenclature wrong. I was going to say her congregation, but that's, that's right. probably not the right word. No, that is her right. Order. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. <laughs> Those are both correct. Um, great. Um, and um, basically, just the idea of if you care about something, then how do you find communities that are going to make it fun for you? And and that's also part of why. Um, a lot of my, you know, book um, is really kind of designed to be a fun read. Um, and that a lot of folks who, you know, are, are dancer friends of mine or, or activists um, who have zero background in finance, and it became kind of an accessible point to look at what is this opportunity to make money a joyful tool for social change. That really kind of changes the calculus and I think can make it more inspiring to start to care about things like what's the difference between a revenue-based loan and uh, a convertible note, right? Or some of the, the tools of our trade that have real impact implications in terms of the types of finance that we're able to deploy. Um, So I think starting with that intrinsic motivation of what is it that I'm trying to achieve? How could money be a better tool towards that change? And then finding the resources to learn in community um, then become a really joyful space to get to execute on that. Um, And then I think for a lot of institutions and, and individuals, there is a starting place of the how much is enough um, and that we often get kind of taught by finance that whatever amount you have, assume you need more, right? Or assume that a higher uh, financial return is always better. Um, and that that's not really how human beings work, right? Like we view utility as a basket of goods, um, social utility, environmental utility, financial utility, um, and that the practice of an institution is to balance those things out. Um, and, and you can think about that in, you know, really minor practical ways of, of literally, if you're going to put new chairs in the church, how comfy should they be? Right? Like you're not necessarily going to just go for whatever's the cheapest. Um, you're thinking about the different types of utility that that purchase brings you. And I think investments are no different. Um, and the degree to which we can maximize utility across those multiple vectors 
it becomes a lot more interesting. Um, it becomes a lot more aligned um, with the purpose of the institution, and then is still able to pursue the financial goals, which are so critical to the ongoing maintenance of that institution. So that to me is when um, investing becomes fun, right? Uh, and, and then uh, the idea that you would even like proactively want to be volunteering for your investment committee because you see it as a source of change. Um, that's where I think that light starts to ignite. Um, and then knowing that there's, you know, so many resources out there to be able to support that journey, hopefully just makes it easier and easier all the time. That's so helpful. And uh, to build off of that, um, you know, how much is enough reflection? One thing that we're seeing a lot, religious congregations, these women religious, like your sister Pam relationship, I'm, I'm working with one sister Sue right now. And um, some of them have more catalytic, flexible capital that really is um, trying to repair in the world, restore, um, you know, for past harms and violence and systems of oppression and seeking that. And there's also larger investors that are funding huge ministries off their endowment and really need to support them. And part of the opportunity I see is through weaving relationships with other investors that have different constraints and opportunities. But um, in terms of pooled vehicles and in terms of more integrated capital stacks that have different um, pieces, is there an encouragement you might offer um, reasons for investors to kind of co-invest and collaborate and things like that? Um, I'm sorry, can you repeat the second half of that question? Just just one of the pieces we saw was um, just for diligence capacity of larger shops and a smaller shop that can be more catalytic because they're able to deploy more quickly and just realizing the benefit. One thing I'm seeing, I'm just curious if this resonates with you and your experiences, mm. the relationship with other investors um, that are trying to do this transformative impact work um, helps because you can co-invest together in different ways and be useful to each other in different um you know, structures within a firm or structures within a fund to be more catalytic. So those that have more flexible, patient, long-term concessionary capital or those that have different types. Just curious what your thoughts are on yeah. um, the benefit of that. Um, I think it's a massive benefit. And that one of the things I really appreciate versus my colleagues who are in more traditional venture capital is that they often talk about deals being competitive, right? And that you have to elbow your way in um, to whatever the next Uber or whatever it might be. Um, whereas impact investment deals tend to be a lot more collaborative, um, but people are more likely to share pipeline as opposed to um, feeling like they have to keep it proprietary because they don't want someone else to get a hot deal before them. Um, and the ability to, like you said, kind of structure things together. Um, so for instance, in a way that kind of respects the different priorities. Um, Candide Group is in the process of launching a climate justice fund, um, and we have a coalition of foundations that have been working together to see about committing the first capital as subordinate capital, um, and that that will enable us to then go out and raise senior capital, right? And they are completely aware um, that there's going to be capital put ahead of them, right? That's going to get paid back first, um, but that they are explicitly doing that because they see their power that every dollar they put in could be leveraged in five more dollars um, from a larger institution and that that's a win for everybody. So I think being really conscious about if you do have um, more risk-taking capital of how to make sure that that's really catalytic capital, right? What is that able to create for impact in the world or catalyze more dollars to get engaged? Thank you. That's exactly the example I was hoping for. Can you give us, a, if people are interested, we should probably wrap up here in the Climate Justice Fund or other of your work, Morgan. I mean, is there investment opportunities you take right now or things that um, people should be aware of? Um, sure. So in general, I'm pretty easy to find um, at Morgan Simon One. 
on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, and that that's also where I'll tend to, um, when we have job postings or um, sharing more about the investments that we do, you know, we'll make announcements on Twitter. Um, you can also follow at Candide Group, um, C-A-N-D-I-D-E. Um, so that's, yeah, I think some of the ways that's, that can be best to follow our work and to reach us. Thank you so much, Morgan, for all of your pioneering work over these 20 years and all the organizations you've started and helped kind of bring about. Um, any final encouragements you want to offer um, impact investors, new trans transform finance practitioners as they come into the space? Um, I think... You asked the question, so I'm going to answer <laughs> with what's kind of forefront for me. Um, I think as someone who doesn't come from a particularly strong religious background, I come from more of a cultural religious background, which I think is, is common for a lot of Jewish people. Um, I really love um, seeing other people who are really spiritually rooted, how they manifest that through their investment activity. And I think the more that that is made um, public and visible, I think can be very inspiring, even for people who are non-religious, um, because I think what, what I really felt like I saw always in working with religious investors was just a deep love for people um, and that the ability to manifest that love through investment practice um, in itself was spiritual work. And I think the more that we're able to tie into that as a community um, and that that you know, could or could not be connected to religiosity, but, um, but that is still connected to the idea of love and spirituality, um, I think makes a stronger field for everybody. Um, so I, I really you know, look forward to continuing to learn um, from that community and, and to feel like it's really all integrated as, as one community of investors that wants to really come from a place of love for humanity. Thank you so much, Morgan. That is beautiful. And I think very inspiring for all of us and helps me and I think all of the Francesco Collaborative lean into the spiritually rooted love for humanity and our neighbor and how we structure that into our investments. So thank you so much for, for your witness and your encouragement. Take care. Thank you.